1: Welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host, Nick. I'm Colin. Two of us here today. We did try and get three because uh, Imran promised us when we next get three, we'll have a quiz for you. And we thought it might be something to cheer everybody up. But yeah, two of us here. We are recording on Saturday left it a few days after the match just to kind of calm down a little bit but uh but yeah calm actually I'd kind of like forgotten it all and now since we were doing the podcast I was looking at some of the stats uh, a bit of the highlights to remind myself and got a bit depressed again yeah
0: I've kind of done that classic uh Manchester United coping mechanism that we all probably know so well over the last few years of after a game like that you just You don't log into Red Cafe. You don't, uh, you mute all the United WhatsApp groups that you're in and you just uh, try and focus on something else in your sad, miserable life because you just couldn't, you couldn't really spend any time on it, Nick, because it would just, it would annoy you every single day.
1: Yeah, look, on this podcast, we'll obviously be covering the Atletico Madrid game and we will also be touching on Spurs, which was, yeah, far less depressing because they're the two games since the last time we recorded. Uh, We're recording on a weekend where we don't have a match. And in fact, we haven't got one for a couple of weeks uh, with international break coming up uh, again um but yeah look let's get into that Atletico game I was actually at this match I was kind of deciding between the Spurs or the Atletico with work I couldn't make both of them and unfortunately I chose to go to the Champions League one uh but yeah look I'm still glad I went to it it was uh you know I haven't done like a big kind of European night at home for a while did you throw your beard uh,
0: Diego did you (laughs)
1: I'm not actually at that end unfortunately Yeah, I did see him getting quite a few pelters from more around the tunnel in the Stretford end side I'm in the opposite corner Uh, so yeah didn't get a chance to throw anything at Diego Simeone unfortunately Um, but I mean we obviously we come out this game very disappointed out of the champions league looking like the season is virtually a write-off like glimmer of top four still i suppose um but I, you know i actually thought we started this game relatively well and that we didn't play that badly but it seemed like the absolute typical you know it was a Simeone typical master class where they managed to get that goal on the break and then just defended and defended and defended and we didn't really have any answers for it um but i mean would you agree with that i thought we started the game quite well we were all pretty happy in the ground feeling like good because you remember when we went away we started the game awfully and Mm -hmm. we're absolutely terrible in that first half but yeah i thought we actually played well and that was the most frustrating thing
0: yeah i mean the first leg we we couldn't handle their press their intensity at all and i think we we were um just really lackluster and caught really cold and it was a it was a really horrific watch particularly in the first half whereas this was the complete opposite i think first 30 minutes we were clearly the better side we were playing with a lot of zip in the pass and um, quite a lot of authority everyone was showing for the ball and 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 moving it around nicely and we created a few chances Um, and it was all looking good and you know it's worth it's worth mentioning but it's just it's just equally frustrating because you know if you look at our team on paper and look at that Atletico team on paper that's the way it should have went you know that the way that game started is the way we should start nearly all of our games and sometimes we do sometimes we don't what we never do nick is play that way for 90 minutes. You know, they've never seen a collection of players that are so able to be kind of lost and affected throughout a game. Um, And ultimately, before the game, I had a really bad feeling that the ultimate thing that was going to matter was a bit of sort of craft and a bit of guile and a bit of uh, kind of wisdom in terms of who's been here before. And that Atletico side is not really a very good Atletico side, certainly not, um, you know, the kind of competing with Real and Barca kind of sides that they've had before. And it's a little bit imbalanced, but it's still a Diego, Diego semi-only team. And that's that. That's ultimately what absolutely won them this tie. And, and I think they've just... have a few more players that have been there, done that. A manager that kind of knows what they are. And I think for 30 minutes, we we thought everything was going great and we know what we are. But then, you know, 40 minutes, 50 minutes, 60 minutes, 70 minutes, it just seeps away like it does so often.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean we should... Remind ourselves that Atletico are the current La Liga champions, but yeah, they've not had the best of seasons, although they had been coming into some decent form coming into this game, Uh, much better form than in fact, just before we started these kind of double leg tie. Um, you know, if we look at the XG, we're at 1.23, Atletico 0.54. But yeah, at the end of the day, they've won the game 1-0. Uh, as I said, you're not surprised at all on how the game went. I know Ralph Ranit was saying after the game, look, we knew that the first goal in this game was going to be absolutely vital. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they got it, we knew it was going to be an absolute nightmare to try and get through their full kind of bus parking Simeone style And we have to, yeah, I need to give a shout out to the ref as well, who was an absolute joke, one of the most pathetic weak refs I've seen in like a big kind of European time for a long, long time. I mean, we all expect this kind of shithousery from a Simeone team, you know, diving around, time wasting. We all know how it's going to be, but he bought every little bit of it, gave them every little small thing that was there and wasn't giving us anything at all. Uh, And, you know, it was a big, big part of the goal as well. Uh, You know, there's been a lot of discussion about the goal. You know, while we were in the stadium, we were obviously absolutely convinced it was a foul but you don't have the benefit of replays and things like that um, but then you know getting home i was quite surprised to watch some of like the punditry from rio skulls etc and they were kind of saying oh i'm not actually sure if it was a foul whereas i watch it again and i'm like look it's a little bit soft but there's actually two fouls yeah. like you know he kind of tries to almost, stay on his feet that's a almost Langer. the
0: problem you know when a player tries to stay up and then when they go down it looks exaggerated if you know what i mean it looks like they've kind of dived for a foul that happened a second ago basically and I think that's kind of what's done him a guy I think if he goes down the first contact I think it's given all day every day but as you say he kind of tries to stay up Then there's another slight sort of coming together and he goes down in a sort of stuttering way and I think that's what makes it look to people like it's not a foul for me it is a foul um I don't even think it's that soft <laughs> to be honest because he's really he's really moving and that you know amplifies any touch in terms of your balance and all that kind of stuff so I thought it was a foul. My, my only thing about that is I think it's more of a talking point that is warranted because if you run it on, you know, 10 seconds, yeah, we, get, we get completely behind the ball at that point. The only thing I would say is when we go into our sort of half-court press after not giving it, there's like two or three players waving and talking to the ref when they should be looking at Atletico walking towards them with the ball, mostly Cristiano, but he wouldn't affect much of a a defensive effort from that point regardless, I think. So, you know... They essentially have it with their back four walking towards our halfway line, and everyone we need, even a at that point, is back in position. And when the ball ultimately beats um all of our centre backs and our left back or sorry, our right back, who's decided like every other fullback we have at the at the um club that he wants to play centre back anytime a ball comes into the box, um, Alang is actually like, you know, nearly getting back at it anyway. So I do think it was a foul. I think that's upsetting. I th- I think even in the, in the Premier League, I think that's brought back. But um, which is funny because you normally get that continental softness, you know. Um, it's, well, it almost seems the
1: other way around nowadays. That in the VAR era. You know, if you look back, they, at, like, they seem to you know pull back more things in the yeah, Premier League than in totally. Europe.
0: I mean, you look back, at, like do you remember like the nanny high kick and all that kind of stuff against Real yeah. and all that stuff? And yeah. there was there was so many decisions. You know, even just going back five years, that you thought oh, that, that that feels very harsh. That feels like that classic continental rift. No, I just think it's much of a muchness. And I wonder if the Premier League's come up to that level, if you know what I mean. But as you said about the ref, he did he did give every little thing and didn't keep any kind of control or management of the clock and the game and, and what Athletic were doing, but there was also like a real inconsistency in his decisions in terms of what was a foul in one area of the pitch and wasn't in the other and stuff like that. So an extremely pro referee performance. Uh, however, you know, I Saw that in the last thirty minutes of the game, the ball was in play for eleven minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's criminal. That makes me not want to watch football, like as in general. You know, that makes me like I really like watching the NFL, and it just makes me like it even more because it uh, it, it it fixes all those problems. Does not to say it's out, without problems, but it puts in place solutions to those specific issues. You know, and I just think that's crazy. And then I started looking at it and. There's some stats out there that show that, like, in any average game of football, the ball's only actually in play for, like, 50 minutes, 50 to 60 minutes, sometimes even less. And, like, that's something you don't really think about you know, when you start to think about, you know, all the injuries we have, about VAR, about throw-ins and stuff. it's Yes, it's part of the game. It is slightly start, start-stoppy, but it shouldn't really be that bad. And I think there should be a focus in some, you know, element of awareness around that particularly from the referees because that's the issue you know that is the issue I mean if the ball's only play for 11 minutes in one half or in 30 minutes of football the most important 30 minutes of football what are you meant to do?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, as I say, you can accept, as you say, the average comes around that the ball should be in play around 20 minutes in every 30 minutes of the game. Uh, Which, yeah, sounds not a lot when you think about it. But yeah, that is the way games flow. And I know there is a school of thought out there saying there should be more about stopping the watch when things go out and things like that. But yeah, we're not there. And I don't, not sure if I'm an advocate of that. But, you know, the referee has to understand what's going on here and there was you know, like you know in the second half there was two or three times where he actually saw that Atletico are wasting time points at his watch like I'm going to add this time and then ends up putting up four minutes mm. after there's been 10 substitutions uh, you know, there was and, even like a couple Nick, of stops for minutes, like yeah. in those
0: four minutes how many are football minutes do you know what I mean like even those four minutes more than any other minutes the ball's out of play all the time do you know what I mean it's just everything that was done in the previous 30 minutes is is times 10 during injury time, you know, so it's just a nonsense really. And yes, I agree. I'm probably not an advocate either of it, except after Tuesday night. And I'm sure in a week's time, I'll probably have forgotten all about it and stop caring. But it was just, it was so frustrating because it was so typical. The only thing I would say is, I do think in terms of the referee and decisions, in terms of the kind of uh, house as you say, our players can impact that. They can't control it necessarily, but they can impact it. Firmly, and I don't think they did. People talk about the ref how he was awful. I blame the players just as much as the ref because it's a mentality thing and it's a it's a being careful thing and being smart and how you take care of the ball, how you keep the ball in play, how you don't allow Atletico to lull you into these silly fouls that we are just as a team so naive and so um I think juvenile in how we approach these kind of situations. I think we've seen it time and time again, um that. The, the squad isn't switched on. You, you just would never trust us in the way that you trust Atletico to grind that out. And you would trust other teams, Chelsea, to to win a 1-0 or whatever it is. You wouldn't trust many of our players in any of those kind of footballing situations where kind of, you know, experience and guile and keeping a cool head matters. You know, there's a handful of people I would put in there and people like that, but the rest of them, absolutely not.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that comes down to the question that we have again and again about on-pitch leadership and the complete lack of it basically. And, you know, that goes back years and years. You know, we can talk about Harry Maguire, but this goes back even way longer than that. Uh, you know, that we've not had proper leadership on the pitch for a long, long time. Um, you know, of course Maguire is constantly discussed at the moment, as he should be. Uh it was interesting that he actually got taken off in this game, which is pretty rare. I can't actually remember Olay, for example, ever substituting Harry Maguire. Even like under Ralph, I think it's probably the first time uh, there was some kind of like you know ironic cheers from mm. the crowd when he came off, which is not great to see, but you no. can understand it. Yeah. Uh, you know, yet again, he he was all right for like half the game but just I don't know what's happened to him and there's several of our players where they just seem in the second half they've got no energy they're like walking when they're trying to run and just yeah, it's something very bizarre going on somewhere and I don't know whether it's just a mental block now over confidence and if that can explain it all but you know players like Maguire uh, we know R- Rashford's been in the press quite a bit recently as well he's obviously not in a good place at all um, and then you know our subs who came on Like you said, Matic was the only one who kind of started having some kind of effect on the game. Uh, Pogba did nothing. Rashford did nothing. Juan Mata comes in from nowhere. I can't even remember. We were all shocked seeing Juan Mata come on. Uh, but he actually... S- Saving him,
0: him all season. And he was the best of the subs.
1: I was going to say that. He only got, what, I think 10 minutes or something. Uh, barely even. But actually, like, looked pretty on it. And as I was looking at the stats again. And, like, Juan Mata played, like I said, for 10 minutes. Paul Pogba played for half an hour. And had the same amount of touches and gave it away for half of those touches as one matter managed in the 10 minute period, which is just, yeah, embarrassing for Paul Pogba basically. And Marcus Rashford as well, like every other touch was unfortunately giving it away. I, I uh, don't know where he's at now. You know, there's obviously been quite a bit of press about what happened after the game, where he got a bit of abuse. Um, he kind of reacted to it. Uh, you are know, Rashford, I've said on here before myself for a couple of weeks that, look, I still would give him a chance to stay. You'd hope that he can get a fresh start under a new manager. Uh, But, you know, he has to snap out of this pretty quickly. And if we're getting towards Christmas and he's still in this kind of form, then obviously it's going to be time to thinking about does he need a fresh start elsewhere to kickstart his career? Because, yeah, this season for him has been a write-off. And I don't know. Look, He has had a lot to go through. You know, you talk about, obviously, physically he's had like major surgery. We're told that physically he's doing okay in training and things like that, but there's definitely some big mental issues out there and it's not, that's surprising, you know. If you look at a player who missed a vital penalty for England last summer, uh, then played for quite a while with injury, which was, I think, you know, in hindsight now, is obviously a very bad decision. He should have had that surgery much, much earlier. Then, like the whole like fallout of kind of racist abuse, uh, things, you know, getting kind of sick from some quarters for the great charity work he does, which is crazy. And then, you know, more recently we've had stuff like the Greenwood stuff. I don't know how that affects somebody like him we know that Rashford has been a bit of a kind of mentor to Greenwood Uh, Mason said more than once that yeah Marcus is the main one who's kind of helped me progress from youth team to first team because he's done it just like me a few years ago Uh, so yeah I'm i think they were pretty close off the field and it must affect as well and you know and plus you see yeah players like maybe lingard pogba's futures are up in the end we know all these guys are very good friends off the pitch so i guess there is a whole kind of host of things that are going on off kind of field and all that and he's not dealing with this well at all uh you know at the same time other players have had things like this you know i I was just listening to something earlier and people talked about, like, you know, when David Beckham played for England and people were Mm. burning effigies from it, like, after one World Cup, which is worse than anything's happened. And he just ignored it got on with his game and Rooney and Ronaldo when
0: uh, England went out to Portugal and Rooney got sent off and uh, they came back and everyone thought they were going to fall out and they both had probably one of their best seasons ever at United after that, you know, uh, working together. That's the thing, so, so, you know. You know, I think, you know, all those things you say are are probably fair. The one thing I would say that underpins it all is we just don't know, you know, and I think we can be very quick uh, to build narratives that we uh, want to believe, um, which is fine because you'll have to speculate. Otherwise, what's the point doing a podcast? Obviously, Nick, Um, we speculate about everything. We don't really know truly anything about, you know, the players in the club from performances to um, the background stuff or the mental stuff, as you say. So there's no point in not talking about it. But I do think we have to be careful and also ask ourselves the question, would we go that far to justify a year and a half's perform for Martial? You know, would we look into it that much? Would we provide him with those same... Uh, excuses and um, would we do it for other players and is that fair is there anything wrong with that and, and really there isn't you know like Rashford is just should be everyone's favourite United player and it's getting to this awful stage now where people are getting so frustrated with them um, and so frustrated with the consistent lack of quality and, and, and good play you know and it is just there and at the same time it's hard not to just feel sorry for him and sad for him you know mm. because it's so patently not you know something he wants or something anyone wants, and yet he doesn't seem to be able to control it or impact it. And then we hear Ralph saying he's you know he's he's unbelievable in training, and it's just not it shouldn't be that complicated. Nick f- football is not that complicated. He can do all the things he needs to do on football pitch, and oftentimes with so many of our players, it seems like sometimes just the most basic of understanding. Like they're trying so hard to do the wrong things, and then it goes wrong, and it becomes this sort of doom cycle, you know. And I just. I just, I don't know that we'll ever truly know what has gone so far wrong. I do sort of agree. I think the point that sticks out to me almost the most in those, I mean, the green one is very hard to very hard to say what impact that's had on the entire squad. I thought at the time that that would be very difficult for the entire squad and obviously more so for people that he was close to. But the one that sticks to me is Pogba, Lingard, Martial, people he's been with for the last few years. Mm. And it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked for anyone at United in this, in this period. And at a certain point, and this is very much where I'm at, as I'm sure we'll get onto in the end of the podcast, you're better just cutting your losses, possibly from his point of view, definitely from a fan club point of view, sometimes. Now, Rashford is probably one of the few, you know, Pogba, I would wave goodbye to this summer, no problem. Lingard should have been sold in January and it's not his fault he wasn't, or last summer. There's lots of players that can go this year. Rashford is a really, really tricky one, um, just because of who he is to the club and and everything he does and the fact that he's produced at a high level before and I still think he can do that again however there is a small part of me I would be I'd be very happy to see him here next year I also think there's an argument that we can't actually afford to lose him with our forward situation we can only buy so many forwards this summer and if anyone thinks we're buying more than one I appreciate your optimism so we need wingers we need forwards our academy you know it will not be a great year if that's the case we're going to lose Cavani we might lose Ronaldo Um. You know, so we're thin on the ground already with the Greenwood situation, so it may just be the best thing that he stays, and he absolutely does deserve another crack at it. But there would also be a small part of me that someone said, you know seventy million or sixty million for pastures new and and honestly, it could be the best thing for Marcus Rashford as kind of tragic as it would be.
1: Yeah, look, if somebody came and slapped seventy million on the table and even I would have to think about it and you know, and I'm quite willing to admit that I'm somebody when there's academy players who've come through teenagers, I'm that I'm willing to give them much more chance than like you say, you no, know, somebody I like Martial I, I, who's I don't come understand. in as a big I
0: don't really understand why people wouldn't do that.
1: Yeah, and some people moan about that. Oh, you wouldn't if he wasn't, um, it wasn't Manchester. I said, yeah, you're right, I wouldn't. That does Otherwise, make what's a the point in having an academy? Me. Like,
0: why do we have an academy if you're if it isn't valuable to you? Do you know what I mean? Like
1: Exactly. And, you, you know, it's the you, same don't, whether you it's You simply do Tomine- not view
0: an academy player the same as, like, you know, someone you've just bought in, a Cavani. You know, it's different. If you sign an 18-year-old, you know, when we sign Martial, that almost becomes like an academy feeling because you've signed him. You're his first kind of big club or whatever, you know or bring them to this new league, that can be a thing as well. But, you know, if you compare Rashford now to us just signing another random 25-year-old or whatever, you know, there's no no comparison. He's played for United for his whole life. Why isn't that very meaningful to fans? I don't understand.
1: I think for a lot it is. But, you know, sometimes you see these things on red cafe or twitter or whatever and people are saying oh you know he shouldn't get any special treatment but for well, me yeah he does people, get special people, treatment
0: people get them in well listen no one's ever treated equally i mean you know like why does paul pogba get everything paul pog gets even though he rarely produces what he should you know it's because he has huge talent and, and therefore everyone is judged on an individual basis based on their own unique you know uh history at the club but um i think you know people have brought themselves into a mind space where they think you're like detrimenting another player just because you want to play the academy English player or something like that and I don't think it it, it shouldn't go that far it should just it should matter for something you know
1: no, I mean, and it is a bit of a fashion nowadays, online and whatever, to not just kind of, you know, criticise or analyse negatively players' performances, but actually to get, it starts becoming abuse. Um, and yeah, that's where it kind of goes too far for me. And I don't understand it, you know, with a lot of our own fans abusing our own players. And then you see a, start, a lot of things as well, where, you know, people are in bad form, as Rashford clearly is, as Maguire clearly is. And then people start saying, yeah, they're, you know, These guys were never any good. They're championship players. And that's why I say no. I don't agree with that at all. Like Harry Maguire had a very good season last season. He did very well for England. He was in like the Euros team of the year, uh, team of the tournament. And, you know, you don't get that if you're a bad player. No, I agree. The same Marcus Rashford had two, one great year for us in that two seasons ago, and then had a decent kind of six months and last season, and then fell off kind of when he started having that shoulder injury, He still hit 20 goals in back-to-back seasons a lot of assists as well, and not many players do that. You know, you obviously yeah. you're looking at your salaries and whatever, but you can even pull out, you know, somebody like Sadio Mane, somebody like Hong Ming Son, they're not hitting numbers any better than that. And yeah. he I mean, did it for far, like a couple of years.
0: On that, I mean, first of all, I think there's uh, better right backs now sack in the championship, so that's all I'll say about that. Um, but uh, on the Rashford thing, yes. And this is where I also get into modern football's obsession with stats and um, because it's not the most important thing in the world. Yes, of course, if someone's having back-to-back 20 gold seasons, that, for Manchester United, that doesn't happen by accident. You're a good player. And if you've hit that level even for two years in a row, that's something to be proud of. Now, there is a thing around what you expect of certain players based on what they've shown you before. And if you've done something previously and then for two, three years you can't do it again, you do have to stop and assess that as a problem, obviously. you know You can't just say oh, because someone did this three years ago, that we always have to hark back to that because at a certain point you have more evidence for the latter than the former, if you know what I mean, and, and you have to um do something about that. The other thing is, uh, you know, particularly with Rashford, it's not just about goals and assists because when he's on the pitch and not scoring goals or providing assists, my God, Nick, what is he worth to you? Because you talk about Sadio Mane, maybe not having a very productive season this year, when you watch him play for Liverpool, all, the all-round play is very good. You know, the industry is very good. The high press is very good. The link-up play with other players is very good. And yes, players sometimes go through goal spurts and, you know, then have a very barren run all that kind of stuff. That can happen to anyone. There's very few players in the world, your high key, people like that, who can manage 25-plus goals a year, whatever it is. But your bottom level shouldn't necessarily be so tragically bad, as a lot of our players manage to find, you know, for extended periods of seasons, you know, but... Broadly, I agree. Harry Maguire is not a bad footballer. He's a, he's a 100% a upper-half premiership centre-back and probably better. You know, he's a deserving England player, maybe not at the moment on form, but that is what it is. You know, he has played well for Manchester United before. Is he a captain for Manchester United? Totally different conversation, but he is a good enough player to be at Manchester United. Is he £70 million worth? Totally different conversation that is totally influenced by who's buying, who he's coming from who he is and, you know, what colour his skin is, all the rest of it, you know, all those taxes that we get. But it doesn't, it shouldn't take away from the uh, the, the point that objectively he is a good enough footballer. Now, does he do some things over and over again or does he have a turn of pace that just doesn't suit us in the way we're playing? Yeah, that's a different conversation. Then it's our fault for signing the wrong kind of player, you know. But as you say, it's not as simple as just he's crap.
1: Yeah, and you know, you, it's been interesting to see the contrasting uh, how they've done in coming out. The England squad announced where mm. Harry Maguire is still in there.
0: Luke Shaw is also in there. Yeah, I just can't get I can't. I have to say, I used to quite like Southgate. And I still like him. You know, I don't mind him. But I used to quite rate him in this England role. And he obviously, objectively, with tournament performances done well, even though they've done the classic England pap that look they're doing to France at the moment in the rugby uh, depriving Ireland uh, of a Six Nations win but um, this one makes no he just he will not and these are for pointless qualifiers or friendlies you know it, it's not going to upset people if you just drop some people and play some other people I mean I'm starting to think he has a serious agenda against Jadon Sancho
1: I mean, look, like I say, Sancho obviously started the season not particularly well, but he's been in great form for, say, two months now at least. Uh, and yeah, it was, for me, and you know, even though all the headlines were that Marcus Rashford isn't in the England squad, I don't think that was much of a surprise to anybody. Uh, whereas, you know, much more of a surprise was obviously Jadon Sancho getting left out. And I saw a kind of comment from Southgate saying, oh, well, if you look at the seasons people have had yeah. and the players I've picked, and I'm like, yeah, well, I'm looking at the players you've picked, and I'm looking at the seasons they've had so, yeah. that like jack like has way, not done much you know for uh, me
0: if i'm if i'm a manager in a press conference the international manager um if i'm gonna throw out a statement like that i'm gonna at least hope that the actual facts and figures back up the point i'm attempting to make because he's basically like you know here see those four names Grealish, uh foden F- smith rowe you know, look at their numbers. It's pretty simple. And then you look at their numbers and it's not that simple at all because those players, they're maybe playing good well, they're maybe playing good football, whatever it is. They're not they're not pulling up trees by any stretch of the imagination. Some of them can't even get in their perspective teams as yes, consistently Smith, as... Smith like as often Sancho, coming in you know. from the bench. Yeah, so, uh... you know, I just, I just don't get it. And I just don't understand. Like, he's clearly in a good moment. He's been the shining light. He's been... Every United fan will be extremely pleased and probably see that as one of the very few green shoots of positivity and coming out of this United team for the last few months and it's Jaden Sancho he has been super you know you couldn't just watch him and also like his highest level you've already seen it at Dortmund what he's he's shown more than a lot of those other players have in their careers to date you know regardless of whether you're looking at this year's form or historically and he's still so young I just think that's a bizarre decision
1: yeah, it is. And he's never actually played him that much at any point, whereas no, he, he has, yeah. Southgate has always been a Rashford fan and gave him a lot of chances. And, you know, even though he wasn't in great form going into the Euro, still took him. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this progresses. I mean, I'm not that bothered. It's good for Jaden to get a rest at this point. And the World Cup is still several months away. It's You know, it's not in the summer. It's not till November. So he's got plenty of time yet to show. Uh, you know, if we look around some of the other squads as well, like David De Gea has been left out of the Spain squad um, which was quite a kind of surprise to some people you know we had a discussion at the end of a pod couple of weeks ago about talking about look yeah he is a very good shot stopper maybe the best shot stopper but mm. there is still big question marks over his all-round game in his distribution coming off his line commanding his box and yeah, I guess you know Luis Enrique has kind of alluded to that, uh, you know, and when you look at the players who've actually been picked, it's actually Sanchez, who's the Brighton goalie, and yeah. Raya, who's the Brentford goalie. So I mean, if there was some big names out there, you'd say fair enough, but that's a real quite slap in the face for David De Gea at this point. Uh, but again, he was probably only going to sit on the bench. I don't know how bothered he is but yeah I'm sure he would want to go to the world cup at this point and there still is time for him to do so I think you know a lot of european teams are probably giving some players chances in these yeah. couple of games just uh, like most of kid. them yeah well that's it you know most of them are friendlies uh, there is a few playoffs of course some like big games over there for Wales and things like that but most of the teams over here are just playing friendlies whereas yeah in South America though there is some big games and Cavani and Palistri as well will be going out for Uruguay, they've got some vital qualifiers because they're not guaranteed at all whereas Brazil are through even though Telez and Fred have been picked And both, we've had both, a of random... them, both
0: of them seem to play as many games for United at the moment as each other
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah Yeah Um Argentina, as I think we give a quick mention to it, that Alejandro Garnacho, mm. who's 17-year-old from our academy, has had a full call-up for them and will be jetting out, which is pretty amazing. But it <laughs> is kind of slightly down to that they're trying to give him a cap and st- could keep him away from playing for Spain where he's actually born and raised and has played for Spain youth teams but he's I think one or maybe both of his parents are of Argentinian heritage and so Argentina are trying to get him signed up before Spain do so yeah we do see quite a lot of this players being given caps very young just to like lock them into certain countries um, Antony Alanga has been rewarded for his good form with his first full call up for Sweden mm-hmm. he's played many times for their youth team but yeah we'll be going out to play for them as well um, but yeah that, that'll be the thing to look out for is the international break and some of our players playing there Pogba and Varane as well will be out for France Uh, and you know sometimes you do see we've seen in the past somebody like Pogba not playing well for the club and doing well on international stage so it'll be interesting especially Maguire that's the one I'm interested to see whether he has this kind of different lease of life while he's playing for England compared to for United where he's got all that pressure of being captain and things like that so yeah that will be one interesting thing to see there
0: I'm Um, impressed with your ability to care Nick (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, I'm i still like because I have this conversation with a lot of people like people say look what has gone wrong at United this season and I say sometimes I you like set, struggle set to like
0: it started eight yeah. years ago you know like where do you start <laughs> you know what I mean like <laughs>
1: No, but look, all right, look, we know there's a lot of issues to do with off-field, with how things are set up, who's in charge of the club. That's big discussions we've had again and again and again. We'll always be there that, you know, we're not well set up. And then as well, we've had this turmoil as Woodward leaves. Arnold now takes over. It's not that clear who's making what decisions. But still, go back to the summer. You know, we were all relatively, like, in a good mood. We'd come second. All right, we would lost that final on penalties. Bring in Varane, Sancho. Uh, Ronaldo, you know, and there was a couple of questions from even on this podcast, whether Ronaldo was the right signing at the time. And I do think that may well be part of it, but it still doesn't explain uh, how bad Harry Maguire has been this season. It still doesn't explain how Marcus Rashford can't manage to make a two yard pass. Um, you know, it's like I say, it's difficult to get some kind of explanation for exactly what's going on here. Um so that's why, yeah, like I say, in these cases, and I am interested to see whether he can still put in a decent performance in England, uh, even though, yeah, they are going to be friendly. So there's not that much you can read into it. Sure. Uh, but I know you were kind of in the point, even last time we've podded like a few weeks ago, saying that I think the season is almost a write-off, whereas I was still thinking that we've got a good chance for top wrong. 4 i think is what you're looking for uh, you said
0: i was wrong is the word well, you were looking yeah, for Well, yeah, I, I put
1: money on it uh, <laughs> at that point at that point the bookies had us all even i remember when yeah. i put money on it it was us spurs arsenal they had us all around the kind of 3 to 1 and i was feeling pretty good about it and i thought even we were playing relatively well good stuff under ranic and i just said look the goals are going to come but obviously they didn't and now arsenal are very very much in the driving seat i mean did you watch that,
0: that arsenal villa game there yesterday
1: i didn't watch it but i kind of just saw a bit of it afterwards and yeah that's just that just doesn't even look like
0: arsenal you know that's that's the most annoying thing about all this and i'm not even really that annoyed because we don't deserve it so i don't feel like i have any right to be annoyed but um arsenal just look like a a, just a well set up team and i honestly think they're just like six months ahead of us and learning a certain lesson which is get rid of some of your higher paid uh diva like underperforming stars and uh, just trust A, your manager and B, your youth players, you know. Um,
1: Yeah, but I wouldn't uh, say that they're six months ahead of us. They're actually three years behind us because this is exactly what Ole did three years ago. He got rid of uh, Lukaku. He got rid of Sanchez. He dumped them all. We had the youngest Premier League squad. But then, you know, things kind of went well for a bit. But then all of a sudden... Cavani came in, Ronaldo came in, bringing some bigger names, and yeah, at some point over there, the mix didn't work out. But yeah, as I say, I think that Arteta is only doing now what Ole did like two, three years ago. And we felt like we were on the right kind of progress, and then all of a sudden, it's fell off, and it seems now we're going to go back to the drawing board, back to square one. Uh, you know, that's the absolute killer that after, you know, we've been in this place before, whether it was after Van Hal, after Mourinho, uh, you know, we. I just want. We, I just want
0: full skill changes you know we always used to say about Chelsea you know they their players get manager sacked at some point in certain seasons there's, their players just decide ah, I'm not really having this you know we're maybe out of some competitions or we just don't like this guy so we're just gonna kind of very obviously and then you see the exact same players with a new manager suddenly you know winning this or winning that kind of thing and everyone say that just speaks to the kind of mercenary quality and the you know the vibe at Chelsea kind of thing was always something that was always leveled against them and I really don't want us to be like that. And I don't like that we're just now becoming a graveyard for managers and players as a club, you know, like like honestly, name a player who's gotten better at United in the last, you know, five to six years. Bruno probably. You know. And he was pretty good before he came, so I don't even know that we can even claim that one, you know. But who who would you say has improved at United?
1: Uh, Yeah, look, there's a couple who come through. I mean, all right, Sancho is playing well at the moment. There's been some in flashes. You know, for a bit, you might have said at some point last season, maybe even at this point last season, you might have said, yeah, Harry Maguire has improved. He was looking like a very solid, like good player and, you know, going off to play for England in the Euros. But yeah, now that's complete reverse. And you're like, well, look, what happened to that player? (laughs)
0: I I do think it's salvageable. There's players there that are just in bad form and are maybe just not happy with the way you know the club is, with the way the dressing room is, with the direction of the team, with the way it's just worked out this year, and that's fine. You know, it's just one year. At the end of the day, there are players there who we are at the moment thinking, God, I would sell you to anyone. And if we made two or three outs, two or three ins next year, they could look revitalized, completely different player, and 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 return to the kind of standard that um they they really should be playing that and that's that's highly possible you know i think there's a lot of people out there like myself including who are dreaming of this kind of oh god if we literally sold six players and bought six players we could just do it all one summer it's not gonna happen it's obviously not gonna happen and um, be prepared for disappointment if that's your expectation however there yeah. is a there is a possibility if it's done extremely well that if we just get rid of a few and bring in a few and um, that the other players you know respond to that and and, and it's a new uh Turn of the leaf kind of thing.
1: No, look, there is still a lot of quality in our squad. As I say, there's been a whole host of players who are not performing to anywhere near the level that we've seen from them just a year ago. And yeah, of course, the manager situation. I'm not really, I'm not really has concerned about the
0: quality as much as I am about the mentality, Nick. That is the thing yeah, that I think yeah, has been proven beyond fair. doubt. Because as you say, or as someone said, you know, we we are better than Atletico. We, you know, we're, we're better than most teams, but we just don't play like it. And then. At certain points in games, we'll play like it for 10, 20, 30 minutes and then we'll creep back in on ourselves. Or some days we'll just not show up at all and we just can't get a get a plan together and we just go out there like aimless 11 players, you know. Um, and then you see other teams and it's always teams, you know, there's teams that are just better than us, like City, you know, like that game. You know, there's just teams that are better than us and that's mm. fine. You know, no one really should have an issue with that at this point. But then there's teams like Atletico teams like southampton teams like west ham teams like even i thought spurs even though we miraculously won that game with ronaldo Hattrick, you know there's teams that are just set up and they know what they're doing it doesn't mean they're they're gonna win against us every game but you can just tell when you watch the two teams one teams know what they're doing the other team is filled with quality and has no idea what to do and that's just it you know the fullbacks against spurs tore us to shreds it was constantly a problem fullback to fullback our our backs sleeping and coming in really tight on the defenders. What happens? We play basically the exact same system against Atletico and one fullback crosses it or one player crosses it to a fullback who scores a header with Dalo holding both his centre backs' hands in the middle of the pitch. You know like why like that's literally the exact same thing that happens over and over again and we can't pick it up. We can't deal with it. We can't learn from it. And there's just too much of that in our squad. There's too much, as I said, naivety. There's too much lack of learning and lack of responsibility and then there's i think this kind of real lack of what it really what you really need to play for united to be really successful or to be part of a really good team is to have that mentality to take responsibility to understand what's happening and to not just shirk away and panic and to keep being able to replicate certain things throughout 90 minutes not just for 30 minutes and i think there's far too many in the squad that have been here either a year or five years or longer that are just constantly allowed to let that mentality seep into the rest of the team.
1: Yeah, that, and I can't disagree with any of that. Um And yeah, there will be a lot of churn in the squad, whether it's Pogba, Lingard, Cavani. We know several players are definitely going to leave. So that's why, you know, as you said before, I'm sure the likes of Rashford and all will get another chance just because there's others who are definitely going out the door. Um, Just to go back though, yeah, on that goal, we didn't, talk about that much, uh, the Atletico goal. I do think that Dallo got a bit of unfair stick for this goal because I've watched that goal back several times because I'm a masochist and (laughs) I like watching these things. And uh, he kind of just ends up with about three players to mark. Not totally his fault. I mean, we know that Alanga has not trapped back because he's waiting for the foul. Still, you have to say, look, play to the whistle, get up, get back there. And that's why. And yeah, Dallow really, I don't see what else he could do there. There was literally two, if not three players where he has to choose from. And he's getting no help from others. So, you know, there's more issues there to do with, again, where are the centre-backs and things like that. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, it was really... There was maybe one other like offside goal that Atletico had, and apart from yeah. that, they did not create much at all. As I said, the XGK was 1.23, so yeah, we created the better chances but didn't manage to put them away. And yeah, it, it's the usual I mean, story you know, where the, the, second other, off,
0: the other part of that context is they scored their offside goal before they scored their header goal. They then scored their header goal in, what, the 30th or 40th minute? 40th minute, yeah, something 40th. like that? Yeah, you know, And then they didn't have, you know, it's not in there. It's not in their remit to score again in that no, situation. Yeah, it's like yeah, Madrid, you know. What I mean? So, you know, they'd created the two best chances of the game and then one of them went in and then they had no interest in creating anything more. So if they if the second if the second header saved by the hair or whatever, you know, would they be more creative? I think probably. Would they still have gone at us? Definitely. They they just didn't have an interest in it after that, it yeah, really that's, to any that's great extent. That's the way so they would, go. As soon as they of, score and I still one. think, you know, you know, if you can see in the 40th minute, so what? You know, I, I'm i not going to hang out Dallow to dry. It's a poor bit of, well, I, you know, as you say, it was a bit of a clusterfuck. So I'm not going to say it's totally on him. It just looks bad when you get caught and you're turning and then you can't compete for the ball. When really what you want to do is just backtrack and, and contest it in some way. And I do think there's more defensive right backs that would do better than at that, not Aarman Bissaka. But just some some right backs in the world of football would do better with that. But I thought that was okay. The rest of the game, I thought lots of players were okay. You know, um, Fred was was very good. Um, but it it just didn't happen. You know, Bruno I thought completely went missing again. Apart from you know a few nice little bits, I thought Alanga. had Yeah, a few he had nice that bits. one good shot. I think just in one at good the shot, end he had a little line. back heel for Alanga. That Alanga then shot across goal. You know, Alanga had a few little moments. He had the header at the start. I think was blown up for a foul um he had uh the the touch at the near post that just hit all black in the face which is you know before atletico scored which could have been a huge moment in the game i didn't think he did i thought that was a great bit of play um yeah, you know, yeah. So, now you so, know and
1: the thing i was hoping as well was that you know we'll get on we'll cover it uh, briefly, at least, is that Spurs game. I thought, look, at least Ronaldo has hit some form. Surely he can go. He'll be desperate to get a goal against Atletico Madrid. Yeah, was but that he not, didn't even was have that the chance like, the whole game. Yeah, well, that was and, that not,
0: and, like the most classic red herring that you know. Oh, there's no way Ronaldo's not going to play this game. A because he's Ronaldo and he plays when he wants. And B because he just scored a hat trick and he did score a brilliant hat trick. But you know that if you put the chances out there for Ronaldo, now he has actually missed a few this year that you wouldn't expect him to miss. But broadly. You provide him a chance that he will score. It's just the is it worth it question, you know? And against Spurs, obviously, yes, he's not going to do that for you every game
1: and look in that Atletico game he had no chances no, I saw that no, Ronaldo's no. XG in this game was zero zero yeah. he didn't have any chances at all and there was actually a slightly weird thing that I noticed and a couple of other people had touched on it as well saying that he was almost staying out of the box quite a yeah. bit almost as if it was like a deliberate tactic where Bruno yeah. was getting more kind of pushed up in that kind of false nine and Ronaldo was almost hanging around kind of the edge of the box as if he was so, looking for a kind of long range or something the, like that
0: and there's some things we do nick and like i'm a big fan of ralph so far and i have a lot of faith in him to be honest and um, not that i think he's gonna obviously be the manager next year Um, but there was a lot of things under are only we're like why are we doing that and now there's still a lot of things and i'm like i really don't understand why we're doing that and i get you know we've had mctominay come out and say look fans with the greatest respect in the world they don't understand what what we're doing and sometimes what what depth we're going into into some of these taxes and stuff and I'm like that ah. I'll have a little bit of faith and choose to believe that, but there's some things that are just so glaringly stupid that you're just like, What like why? Like he's coming in and picking the ball up in the halfway line of times, he's coming in and getting involved, he's as you say, pulling out the wings, switching with Rashford, stuff like that. And I don't know if it's so that someone more energetic can lead a press. I don't know. I don't know what the reason is, because it makes no sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. Um I think we are sometimes hugely overcomplicating simple things. Um but yeah, it was bizarre.
1: But yeah, look, let's at least, like I say, talk about some of the positive things. That You know, Ronaldo did score a hat-trick against Spurs the few days before. You know, this was billed as a kind of top four battle and we did win it. Uh, I know you were one who were like disappointed when we didn't get Conte. So it was kind of interesting to see. And yeah, Conte still has never won at Old Trafford. I was always worried when I kind of saw that stat. <laughs> but nowadays, whenever I see these kind of stats, I'm like, it worries me. In the past, you would like, oh, that's great. That means, you know, it's all in yeah. our favour. Whereas nowadays you get Old we haven't been beaten by West Brom for exactly. 50 years and we get beat by West <laughs> Brom. We haven't it saw, lost at home. You know, half a decade get here
0: of uh, shattering all their own records. Basically.
1: Exactly. So, you know, when I saw that stat, I was actually worried. But no, look, yet again, we've managed to beat Spurs in that game. Uh, it was mostly all down to Ronaldo. You cannot say it was any kind of classic performance. Uh, it was just, yeah, you know, three very, well, two great strikes and one that was well set up uh, by Sancho, um, yeah. especially that first, and yeah, another goal from a corner. We've actually scored another one from a corner. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Spurs as well. The only thing they had was a penalty. They had uh, one own goal. And I, I was very happy to see because there was that horrible bit of that Romero who went laughing in mm. Maguire's face. And then Ronaldo just pushed him out of the way for that winner. So that, that was a great bit of footballing karma over there. But uh, even though Spurs didn't make that much more chances, as you said before, they were getting quite a bit of joy in wide areas. Son was looking pretty good and this new guy for them, Kulovetsky or whatever, looks like a pretty decent player, actually, better than I expected. But yeah, De Gea didn't have that many saves to make and yeah, look, in the end, we get that 3-2, feel like maybe we're getting a bit of kind of momentum to go into that Atletico match. But yeah, it didn't really happen. But at least that's kept us, you know, we're not, like I said, totally dead yet in the top four race. Although I know you said even a month or so ago that look, for me, the season feels almost like, over and yeah i'm also now getting towards that point because uh, it's going to take a big collapse from arsenal who are now four points ahead of us with a game in hand for us to get towards that uh top four you know like i say it's not totally you know, it's just, dead you know they're in
0: better form they have better fixtures um and um, they're ahead so you know it just, it but just then seems the question
1: me. is if we're not getting for that top four and i've seen it, it has been a thread on red cafe Do you want to be in the Europa League next year? There's quite kind of discussion on this going around at the moment. Yeah,
0: I would rather, yeah.
1: Because you know you see Arsenal, who seem to benefit from not having been in Europe, playing less yeah. games. We've seen it before as well, where it was Conte's Chelsea, didn't they? They won the league when they were out of all the cups, out of Europe, very Is
0: that the reason? You know, is it the less games? And also, if the if the idea is to take a year off and get back in the Champions League football, you're just going to be assaulted by games the year after and be completely unprepared. So you know, teams that are in the Champions League year in, year out do not suffer. You know, your Liverpool's, your Bayern's, your. PSGs, your Barca's, your Reals play the same amount of games every year. It's never an issue. Do you know what I mean? They don't need a year off to get themselves back together. And I get we're not those teams at the moment. Totally fine. But you know, and I get Europe as a Thursday. It's likely longer traveling sometimes and stuff like that. You know, a few more random teams from random nations in it. And um, no offense, but um, no, I I'd, I'd rather be in the chance of winning any competition I'd rather be in every competition we could be in because beggars cannot be choosers. And the Europa League is actually a competition we can legitimately say we might win.
1: No, I mean, for me, I want to be in it. Uh, and I know tons who love actually going to some random cities and grounds that you'd never get the chance to in the Champions League as well. Um, uh, yeah, and now the since they gave... Prize of a Champions League place from the Europa League. That tournament has gone up in stature. There's a lot of teams who take it much more seriously than they used to. You know, this year we see the likes of Barcelona in there. Uh, so yeah, I definitely want to be in the Europa League. I do not want to be in the Europa Conference, no. whatever the hell that is. No, I would <laughs> spurs that. I would
0: spur that if we were in it. I would I would do some sort yeah. of uh, rule breaking to get disqualified.
1: Well, I wouldn't do that, but I would literally play the Academy. Say, right, listen, you guys go and have a shot out there. You get some minutes. i uh- we do not need that competition. Uh, You know, again, like I said, probably there is plenty of fans out there. The guys who like to go on the Euro ways who will love ending up in whatever Bodo glimt or whatever. I don't know what kind of teams uh, end up over there nowadays. But apart from that, there's not much to be said for that tournament. Uh, I don't even know what the prize for that is. Do you go in the Europa League? I think, yeah, maybe if you win that, you end up in the Europa League. Uh, But yeah, that's hardly something you want to be going a whole season for to end up with. Uh, We will, We'll finish off with some discussion obviously about new manager and things like that and where we're going. Before that, I want to give a shout out to our usual sponsors, Manscaped. Uh, spring has sprung and our friends at Manscaped have the best tools for some spring cleaning in your pants. Trust me, your confidence will be blooming like the flowers this upcoming spring. Time to clear out that winter bush and join the other 4 million men who trust Manscaped. Use the code UNITEDHOUR20 to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped uh, and yeah nowadays manscaped is available usa obviously uk all over the eu uk uh, australia south africa singapore so yeah i know we have listeners from all over the world so yeah wherever you are i think you can go over to manscaped.com and check out their products and yeah don't forget united hour 20 to get yourself 20 percent off uh so yeah there is now some press talking about that our, the club is already talking, making inquiries mm. with certain managers. I think Ten Hag is definitely, has already been spoken to and there's even talk that's saying that maybe in the next, in the coming week in this international break uh, maybe Murtagh will actually be meeting with him and Arnold apparently will actually be meeting with Eric Ten Hag. I know that there is still interest in Pochettino uh, but yeah ironically Pochettino, Ten Hag and of course ourselves have all gone out of the Champions League this round and in quite kind of surprising circumstances for some of them, you know, it was quite a collapse from PSG versus Real Madrid and uh, even Aj- Ajax looked like they were in the driving seat in that Benfica game and the end of, ended up going out. I mean, does that affect your opinion of any of these guys?
0: Uh no um nothing that happens to Pochettino at PSG will really affect my opinion of him because PSG are a vacuous and pointless excuse of a football club with some of the world's most horrific players truly um it's quite impressive to make me root for Real Madrid uh under Florentino Perez in a Champions League tie and truly PSG are the only club that could do that. Um, Because the way they've assembled a squad of yaps and failures and snakes um, is is mad to me and their ownership and uh, everything seems to reflect it also. It, it, It genuinely is bizarre to me them as a club and I honestly... I have rarely viewed such enjoyable things as Barcelona putting six past them for a huge collapse. And then Real, I thought the other night, anyone who watched the game, it was so good. It was so good because it was like a little bit of an old Real. Modric was amazing. Benzema was amazing, who I think are generally well-liked players. And it was PSG, so that was class. So no, Pacino gets passed for me on that front um, because who who could manage that team? Uh, No one is the answer. And... um, Eric Ten Hag. I don't really know enough about him, Like Every time I watch his Ajax team, I think they look really good. But I'm so like, yeah, it's Ajax. You know? How, you know, it's Donny van der Beek's Ajax. It's, you know, every player we've had that's come from there or every player that anyone has had that's come from there that just doesn't actually go on often to replicate that outside of Holland. And yes, everyone says, ah, but, you know, they scored the most goals in Champions League or, you know, they play the same attacking brand in the Champions League. And that's great. Maybe it's true. But... It's a little bit of a reservation for me, but broadly, I don't really care, Nick. Whoever was willing to start as ASAP, just get that guy because they're all they're all much muchness in my opinion, and you know certainly as fans, I don't think we can have an opinion based on those uh, managers' teams. I think, and um, certainly, I'm sure people have much more informed opinions than me, having watched more of them. I think I know, you know, uh, as a goodly amount about Pochettino, but I don't really care. I just want. I just want them to sort it out super quick so that that manager has the full transfer window and we're not, you know, aping around trying to wait two, three months of the transfer window and not making signings and then getting a manager and and, and rushing it and all that kind of stuff. I just want us to be cold, calculated and proactive this summer. That's my big hope. I don't really care what the names are. You know, I I really do have a hope that we quickly clear out deals for the players that we don't longer want. I hope we're going to have very strict and difficult conversations and not just try and sign everyone up to a new contract to protect the asset whatever that means um, and we just get rid of players and, and, and clear wages off the books and, and and move on players that have proven that um they're probably not going to be successful at United and then replace them I think with not marquee signings but you know proven either proven Premier League players or relatively well thought of you know players at the 20 30 40 million mark from Europe I just really would like to see us go back to that kind of model, you know, and I hope we have, you know, someone in Ranyak who looks at that and, and, and actually picks players who suit the way we want to play and that whichever manager, Murtaugh and uh, Darren Fletcher, whoever else is going out to see these people, you know, that they that they allow that to sync up, you know, and that they give that some consideration. And I really do hope that we'll see more of a cohesive strategy from them than we have done under Woodward because that has been a failure. You know, there's no two ways about that. So I'm pleased to see new people get a shot at it because, you know, as we've mentioned kind of throughout the podcast, even all the signings that we thought were the good ones out of the last two, three years are now looking like not good ones. You know, so it's, it's kind of back to the back of the drawing board on all that. But I, as always, going to it with uh, a renewed hope that uh, ignores all the facts of the last uh, weeks and years
1: yeah like you say we've been here before we've seen it before and that's kind of the worry are we just going through this constant kind of cycle of yeah new manager yeah, I mean, them some I a lot of people have said
0: to me this last week we need a Klop or a guardiola that's the only thing you can talk about signings you can talk about other managers you can talk about the structure of the club blah 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 blah. if you put a or a guardiola in our current team they would perform because it's that's what we need is that transformational manager that's maybe not wrong but it's depressing because that it's very hard to find that
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the other name that this week has been thrown around because of Chelsea's sudden off-field problems with uh, Bramovic sanctions and the club, like, you know, in a bit of kind of turmoil is Tuchel. And obviously he is a disciple of Ralph Rangnick. They worked together in the past and know each other very well. Uh, He's currently actually now the second favourite to be our next manager after Eric Ten Hag joint with Pochettino. Uh, I think that's, you know, doesn't mean that much. The bookies, just because he's in the press, will kind of make him the odds over there. But it is an interesting one thrown out there. Uh, I mean, yeah, if he was a possibility, would he go top of your list there or would you still be happy sticking with Pochettino? Uh, yeah, again, Hag-
0: like I would rank them all joint first, Nick. And I know that maybe seems uh, a bit derivative for that question you just asked, but I, honestly, I don't really care. If I had to pick, I would probably. I, don't, I, I really don't know. I really like Tuchel. I probably would pick him just because of his recent success, which is more than the other two have had, you know, um, in regards to what he's done at Chelsea. And I also like the, the Ragnac like and I really like the, the immediate way he took Lampard's Chelsea and made them, uh, you know, <laughs> Tuchel's Chelsea, which were pretty two different, pretty different things. Um, I think he'll be at Chelsea next year. I think s- someone will step in and, and sort Chelsea out here. It'll all work out okay, as it always does for these mega-rich clubs. Um, there'll be no true... Um, paying of the piper in my opinion and certainly his press you know I appreciate there's a lot of press talking about him then being a BVU United his own personal press I what he said at press conferences has not filled me with any hope that he'll be going anywhere but stranger things have happened of course and he would be he would be more than good enough for us you know uh, absolutely I would trust him and also he's that kind of steely I don't care if I upset you you know I'll just buy Lukaku and then keep him on the bench all year like he doesn't care he'll pick the team he wants to pick you know
1: Yeah, and normally I would say, listen, this is never going to happen. It's only because of that kind of personal Ranit kind of two-shell connection that I think it is a bit interesting. But I think like you actually that somebody is going to buy Chelsea there's already been several bids from serious parties that have gone in just in the last couple of days, uh, and there's just kind of some legal stuff to sort out over where that money goes and who deals with it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it looks like Chelsea will be sold and will probably roll on as normal and not actually be that affected by all this, apart from a kind of short-term thing, which is a shame because I was hoping they were going to implode completely, but I don't Do think know, it's, it's going to be that. Like it's that. just that it's
0: that long-term concern for Chelsea that they've built this model that kind of relies on uh, around Pockets, so you know they may feel the effect that in two three four five years when they're not able to do those same things but you know i think in the short term they're they're a top football club now you know that's that's where they are and they have the kind of players to have and they'll continue to to i think do pretty well
1: and you know it is interesting now seeing the kind of values being put on chelsea uh they're talking about kind of two to even maybe three billion pounds And then you just say, what's the value of our club? You know, a lot of people have been hoping that some red knight comes out of somewhere to buy out the Glazers. And in the past, even I'd said that maybe we're worth around three to four. But if Chelsea are two to three, then you're probably seeing that Glazers are going to be asking five billion plus because our brand is obviously way, way higher than theirs. Even if like, you know, we've been struggling on the pitch. That doesn't really matter to the value of the club that much. And that's why we're probably unfortunately going to be stuck with the Glazers for still a while longer because I don't know who's going to be showing up anytime soon with £5 billion to spend on us. (laughs) But uh, but yeah, it will be interesting. Like I say, There, there hasn't ever been uh, club change hands for this kind of money before uh, you know you see the Saudis coming in buying Newcastle even when PSG Man City they were all just like you know a few hundred million there's never even been a club sold before for a billion and Chelsea will be the first uh, you know I was looking before at some of the names who've put in bids and it will be interesting to see where that goes and there'll be a lot then a talk Of how much our club is worth and whether there is any possibility of somebody buying out the Glazers. Uh, You know, we're reaching the end of the show, so we're not going to get into that conversation just now. But it'll definitely be something we'll be like touching on a lot more in the rest of the season. Because you know, a lot of people will say it doesn't matter what manager we get, it doesn't matter what players we get. While we still have these guys in charge, we're not going to be successful. And yeah, I do understand that. At the same time, I understand it, but it's not true. Well, we have been successful under the Glazers when Alex Ferguson was manager. Under the glazers,
0: so, what more else do you think they're doing? You know, the, someone would just have to elaborate on that for me as to exactly what they mean. Do they mean well, Woodward I, and the Glazers, I, I, or do they mean the Glazers, or do they mean the you know it's it's so much more complex, you know
1: like I say there is a lot to talk about there and maybe yeah maybe we'll throw out another podcast in this international break and touch on some of these things because there's some other interesting things going where there's some studies being done at the moment about the redevelopment of Old Trafford and if we look back at some of those promises that the Glazers made this time last year when there was the big protests Uh, so yeah I think we will maybe try and record again in this break before we come back you know our next game is Leicester and it's not till the first week of April so there's still like nearly another couple of weeks till that so yeah we will record something else before then and try and touch on some of these big issues that we don't get the chance to talk about because we're always so focused on the last matches and analysing them. Uh, But I think, yeah, that's probably rounding us up for this one over here. And as I say, we'll come back with something in this break to keep you guys going until we've got a match again in April.
0: (laughs) Thank Uh, you, (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah something to look forward to Leicester in April uh, yeah. <laughs> although yeah as I said we're talking about managers I don't really want to mention him Brendan Rodgers who had been linked with us before but I'm glad that he's not being spoken about anymore linked with us because yeah that for me is not somebody who should ever be coming anywhere near uh, our club manager it's all about
0: Ralph Hasenhudo and uh, Graham Potter no, those are the new flavours of the month in the Premier League
1: yeah yeah, totally. Uh, so, yeah, all right. We will see you back for a show in the break. And uh, that's good night from
0: us. up! Sports Social Podcast Network.